Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. Well, happy Father's Day to all of the dads in the house and watching online. It is a high calling and a great privilege to be a father. And um, for all of you dads, we want you to know that we celebrate you. We're thrilled that you are a father. Your role is critical, and we always want to pour into you. And so we do that through things like these summer sessions. Um, And we just believe in you. But, But we also want to celebrate all of the boys and men in our house here at Epic today. And so ladies, in just a moment. This is not like payback for Mother's Day, but I'm going to remind you of it if you don't get on board. We were just hooping and hollering. We're probably not going to be as loud. You probably don't have to be as loud as we were for you. That's okay. But in a minute, I'm going to have every boy and man in the room stand. And when they do, will you let these men know that you appreciate them? You're grateful for what they contribute to the Epic Church community and for what they're bringing out in the world. Will you do that, ladies? So all the boys and men in the house, let's stand. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. And I didn't say this at 9.30, but ladies, I just feel like I need to say, hey, just because you've had some bad men, don't hold it against all of us. Have a seat. That's all I needed to say. Hey, for every man 18 and up, when you leave this gathering in the lobby on your way out, you're going to get these socks right here. Look at those. Can we get, can we get that on the camera? I mean, come on. Not just one sock, because it's not... Will's like, you know, Ben, it's half price if we want to get the logo on one of the stocks. I'm like, dude, let's get both. We're living large in 2023. Stock market was back up this week. We're going we're gonna to be okay. Um, another really cool thing about today, you know, a lot of times I do think about not just being a father to my four kids, though I, I love that, and that, that's a whole unique, intimate, special thing to me, and I'm grateful for, uh, for all four of them. But I also um, love just the privilege of being a spiritual father. And so for me, um, seeing a couple leaders in their 20s today, Praise, who was leading us in worship, is in his 20s. Krista, who led our communion moment for the first time, in her 20s. And now you're getting a preacher in his 20s. And it is just, (laughs) we're just kind of sticking with that next generation theme today. Um, But man, I I love this, because one of the things I know I can't change is the fact that I am going to get older, and our whole staff team, but I love that seeing so many of you young people. Hey, just real quick, if you're in your 20s in the room, we just raise your hand? Yeah, like, hi, just need to, we're thrilled that you're here, and hey, seriously, know this, like, the fact that you're pursuing your spiritual growth, uh, I know some of you are here because your mom has find your iPhone on her phone, and she needs to know you're at church today, but I think most of you have chosen to be here, and I'm thrilled that you are taking this initiative to pursue your spiritual growth that we're going to talk about over the next 30 minutes, I think is massive for you. Uh, Here's the question I want to lead off with today as we get into part three of this One Thing Over Everything series. Uh, Do you mostly approach life actively or passively? Most of you are like, it depends. And that's true. Here's how I know it's true. Some of us are super active at work, but we're super passive at home. Or the other way around. Others of us, we take great initiative when it comes to our physical health, but not so much when it comes to cultivating personal relationships. 
And so the question you could imagine I'm after today is, what are you doing about your spiritual growth? Is that one of your active things or passive? Because what happens is times people say, oh, you know, I'm just kind of a passive person. No, I've seen you at the ballgame. Right? I've seen you drive. You're not that passive of a person. Um, and, and maybe another way to ask the question that you should be interested in answering today is this one. Is God responsible for our spiritual growth or are we responsible for our spiritual growth? The answer is yes. God is and we are. And so I want to give us a simple definition for spiritual growth today for our purposes that has, I believe, profound implications. And so, um, you know, there's a lot. You could, read a, you could read books and books and books on spiritual growth, how to know if it's happening. But let me give us something succinct that we can actually look at, lean into, measure even our own faith journey in response to, here it is, spiritual growth. When more of my life is shaped by more of Jesus. Again, we can come up with a lot more words than that, but I promise you, if you get this, spiritual growth always happens. When more of your life or my life is shaped by more of Jesus. And you know what's great about this definition? It means it's available to every person in the room. If you think about the spiritual life as a continuum, zero to ten, what I didn't say is that when we leave today, all of us need to be at least at an eight and a half. Anybody grateful? No, we all need to be moving forward. And so if you think about the zero to 10 line, I would rather you be a person that's a two moving in the right direction than to have been spiritually mature and now you're going backwards. With me? And so when I say that spiritual growth is more of your life being shaped by more of Jesus, it means that you can grow spiritually today. It means that you can spend the rest of this week and month and summer and the rest of 2023 growing spiritually. It's available to everyone, but it's guaranteed for no one, even if you're the pastor. It's not a guarantee but it is available. Another way you might think about spiritual growth is how Paul said it to the Galatians in chapter four, verse 19. He essentially said, it is when more of Christ is formed in more of you. So tell me the life that you're living, does it look like more of Jesus is being formed into more of you? Because we love that you're here on a Sunday. Wherever you are on your faith journey, start there because you can't start from any other place. But wherever you are, will you do me and yourself really one favor? Will you just make an intentional decision today that the rest of your life you will keep moving forward on that faith journey? And if you make that decision, you're going to get to all the destinations. Because if you keep going that way with Jesus, I promise you, all the milestones that are significant, you will hit and cross every single one of them. And I want that. I want it for my life. I want that pursuit for your life because I believe Jesus has promised us that. Um, and, and here's the really good news for some of you. Um, you may lack confidence in that future journey happening that way, but you need to know Jesus is fully confident that he can finish what he started in you. He's got his part down. He's in on it. He's not passive. Aren't you glad that he's not passive when it comes to your spiritual growth? If he's not passive about your spiritual growth, why would you be? Why would I be? Here's a question I want each of us to carry into today's teaching, and I hope you spend this time answering the question too already before we even get into it. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to contend for more of Jesus in my life? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to contend for more of Jesus in my life? Because I know, don't be like, I don't know how to contend. Yes, you do. I've seen some of you contending for that next job. Anybody ever contended for a job? Anybody ever uh, contended to get into a university? I mean, you didn't get in, but you contended? Like, you were going hard after, and they were like, uh-uh. It's not, not going to happen. Uh, uh, anybody ever contended for a first date? Seriously, four of you. <laughs> Men, I know it's Father's Day. I should let you off the hook. You're like, I just want to be married. Well, you got to do some contending, my friend. No, I'm just going to be passive. God, just bring her to me. Just bring her to me. 
And ladies are like, no, it's not going to be passive on my end. I mean, come on. You've got to be active with some things in life. I'm, I'm calling this message Contending for More. And I want to urge you, before you get it into your soul, if the song we sang in your heart is true, he's worthy of it all, then he's worthy of you centering your whole life around him. And today, we're going to look at the last part of chapter 1. So we're in Colossians all summer. Today is Colossians 1, 21 through 29. If you will turn there in a Bible, a Bible app, you can get the Epic Church app, find all the details there, and then stand with me. And I am really excited to... uh, I'm really excited about what I've learned, and I pray that God will convey um, a unique learning to us and give us revelation from his word and by his spirit. Again, he's committed to teaching us today. Paul writes, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to contend for more of Jesus in your life. You may be seated. I want to jump straight into this. There's a lot of teaching, and then I'm going to get to this part in the message. I'm going to be like, hey, now I'm preaching, and that's when you're going to start talking back to me, okay? Okay. I'm just teaching right now. We're, We're getting there. The first thing that I see from this text that I want to say to you in this phrase is this. Remember who you were and how you became who you are. Don't forget who you are. Why? You've got to get the context for this Colossian church, what they were being taught by a few. And you can go back to week one and get a lot of that history and and sort of the context. Some people were coming in and teaching them that, hey, to be acceptable in God's sight, you've got to jump through all these hoops. You've got to do these special days. You've got to eat a certain diet. And if you do those things, then maybe you will have good standing in God's sight. And Paul's like, no, remember who you were. You were separated from God, alienated, cut off, estranged. That's where your faith journey began. But Jesus, through his body, he died and reconciled you to God. You you did not get to be this by being awesome. You got to be this because Jesus is awesome. And though he was the sinless one, he died for every one of your sins. And then he gives us this incredible, beautiful, glorious, hard to believe result of what Jesus did for us. He says, now when God looks at you, here's how he sees you, holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. You know how many of us wake up believing that reality most days? Zero. Because you know what you did last night. I know what I thought last week. I know what I did two years ago. And it's not that we have earned this on our own, but when Jesus looks at you, if you are in Christ, he sees the righteousness of Christ. You see, I'm convinced one of the reasons we continue to sin is because we don't actually see ourselves in the reality that God sees ourselves in. 
I, I don't, if I don't see myself as righteous, why live righteously? No, no, no. You're not doing some moral religious performance to be acceptable in God's sight. When he sees you, he sees Christ as though you are Christ, holy in his sight, no blemish in you, and without accusation. And, and, and I'm convinced that so many of us have this reality positionally, but we're not living out this reality. We don't see ourselves as God sees us, but the truth is when we receive what Jesus has done for us, it completely changes our standing with God. And today, if your standing with God hasn't been changed because of all your effort, and it will never be, um, it can be changed today because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. And the best news for you would be to walk out going, I don't have to do this myself. There's something Jesus did for me, and should I receive it and put my life and faith and hope and trust in it, I can be seen in that light by God's sight? Yes. Yes, yes, you can. And then Paul says, um, he gives a conditional statement. He says, if you continue in the faith, why is he saying that to the Colossians? Because the Colossians believed the gospel got them into a good standing with God, but now they thought they had to do all these extra things to keep a good standing with God. Can't we relate to that? Like, here's what I know. When I became a Christian, the way I became a Christian is that when I was still a sinner, God sent Jesus to demonstrate his love for me, and he died for me. Anybody else know that? And if I'm honest, and I've seen this in about 100% of our lives, as I've gotten to know and seen people's stories play out, a lot of us think, okay, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I guess I have to take it from here. And Paul's like to the Colossians who are being taught, hey, it's up to your efforts to make sure you grow spiritually. Paul's like, no, the gospel that brought you in will keep you in and it will carry you all the way to the end. Guys, don't move on from the gospel. You'll see Paul write to the Galatians. He's like, like who bewitched you? What happened? Who tricked you? you? You got in by grace and now you're trying to hold up by your own work. No, 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 no. It's the gospel that gets you in, keeps you in, and carries us to the end. That's the whole point. And then he uses this phrase, if your faith is established and firm. He's using imagery here that we're very familiar with. He's writing about uh, really an architectural image. The idea of a foundation, which is um, really something familiar that Will and I are thinking about every single week. We are amazed when it comes to our future church home at 414 Brandon Street, how much research and, and testing is being done to look at the foundation. It's crazy, right? Like, I didn't even know what a soil report was. I, I still don't know what a soil report is. But the reason they're doing extensive research, and you should be grateful for this, even though it's delaying our timeline, the reason they are doing extensive, extensive research is because when we move this whole growing community into that building, they need to make sure the building's going to hold up. Anybody grateful for that? Yeah. I know, I'm like, uh, I mean, I, just the way I work, you know, I like to move fast. I'm like, I mean, can we just be 80% sure it's going to hold up? Let's just go move. I know, I know. I care about you guys. I'm, I'm not really that impatient. Um, but when you think about this foundation metaphor, this architectural metaphor Paul's using, I mean, here's the question I have for you. How strong and steady is the foundation you're building your life on? And the only way you can answer that question is to be honest with yourself about what you're building your life on. Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, if you build your life on him, if you hear his words and put those things into practice, you will be like the person, my friend, who built their house on the rock. When the storms came and they always come, the house stood. But if you build your life on anything else, your wealth, your accomplishments, your beauty, your children, your happiness, your religious performance, it doesn't matter what it is if it's not Jesus, 
you'll be like the person who, when the storms came, but they realized, oh my gosh, I built my house on the sand. Now, let me tell you what's going on in your life right now that make, make you want to argue with me and think, Ben, I don't have to build my life on Jesus. Here's what's going on in a lot of your lives. The thing that you're building your life on right now, it's looking good and pretty, Right? If you're building your life on your career and your career is up and to the right, you're like, Ben, it seems like it's going to hold up. Remember, the, perp- the two people, with, they, they had identical looking houses, but when the storm came, the storm always comes. And one way to ask yourself just a logical question about your foundation, like, is it there when everything else goes away? Here's the way I like to ask it to myself. Will my foundation still be present if my kids do something that I would never want them to do? Will my foundation still be present when I'm no longer the pastor of Epic Church? Right? And all of us have something we can build our identity on. That could be it for me easily. If something tragic happens to my wife, do I still have a solid foundation even with a broken heart? Your career will not hold you up. Your marriage will not hold you up. Your children will not hold you up. Is it strong and steady enough to hold the life and faith you're building on it? In verse 27, Paul begins to use a word very intentionally, and it's the word mystery. Mystery. Why is Paul using this word? Again, context really matters, especially in this letter to the Colossians. And the reason Paul is using the word mystery is because people started teaching at the church at Colossae that a few of us have been given this special revelation, this mystery. This mystery, like a few of us, we have this real unique knowledge that no one else has. And Paul's like, mystery? Let me tell you what the mystery is. Here's the mystery, and it's such good news for the Colossians and for all of us. The mystery is because of what Jesus has done, everyone can belong to God. That's the mystery, brothers and sisters. That, like, the, the mystery isn't that 14 of you got in on it. Jesus didn't die just for you and give you some special access. He died for the sins of the world and has given everyone access. Now, why is he pointing that out? That is, is such a radical idea for the first century Gentiles. Uh, and some of you know this by experience. You don't have to raise your hand or you can't. It doesn't matter. The Gentiles were used to being treated as second-class citizens. Like Ben, just out in the world, in the workplace. Yes, and in the religious community. Are you with me? So, so imagine, you don't, you, you're not even probably allowed to sit up close, and you kind of barely get in, and, and, and the teaching that some people were bringing to you is like, hey, um, you Gentiles, for you to be acceptable to God, you've got to become more Jewish. Hey, you guys back there, we're going to circumcise you in the lobby as soon as the service is over. And when we have the special lunch today, if you bring bacon, you are not acceptable in God's sight. And though we might not be in that context, you know what it's like to feel like because of your past, you're a second-class citizen because of your race, you're a second-class citizen because of your gender, you're a second-class citizen, and I'm here to tell you what Paul said, and you need to ask God to make this truth a lived experience in your life. He said, no, 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 no. You're not gonna be known by your ethnicity first and foremost, by your gender first and foremost, by your past, by your future first and foremost, not by your vocation. Here's what you're going to be known for. Here's the whole point of your life. Christ in you, that's the hope of glory. That's the hope of glory. So you don't have to have all of the things the world tells you you have to have to have a future hope. You've got to have the one thing over everything else, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you have that reality in you? That's the distinction. That that is what we rally around together. It's why a diverse community can get centered on this one thing because we don't all, and we're not all the same. 
We're very different people. You, you guys know that? I mean, even in our own family, is there anyone like you? Not me neither. It's like, I don't even know how we're related. But in Christ, that which is very distinct and different becomes one. Not losing our diversity, but having a diversity in the middle of such strong unity. That is what the church is supposed to be. And that's what Christ came to establish. And that's what Paul's wanting to remind the Colossians. Hey, it's not just for the two percenters. It's for everyone. It's, it's for everyone. Now, I told you I was going to teach for a while. Now I'm ready to preach. Anybody ready to listen to preaching? Okay, I'm going to camp out in verses 28 and 29 for the rest of our time today. And what I'm going to tell you with great urgency and importance is in verses 28 and 29, you're going to see everything that you should make your goal of your life. You're going to see everything we should be aiming for as a church. You're going to see what my job should be as your lead pastor. You're like, Ben, that's only two verses. I know. You're going to see what every leader at Epic, every staff member, what they should be doing. Okay? Are you ready? So like if I'm going to tell you in two verses, this should be the aim of your life, my job, and our church, I would lean in and listen. Here's the first thing Paul said to the Colossians, and I want to phrase it this way for us here at Epic Church, just so you know. Jesus is our lead story. I remember, I'm preaching, you're talking back. Like, I mean, let's try it again. <laughs> Jesus is our lead story. That means the future 414 Brandon Street, not our lead story. That means doubling the number of kids and students, not our lead story. That means Alpha growing, not our lead story. The number of baptisms, not our lead story. Do we have a great worship team? Not our lead story. Do I want to be the most effective pastor I can be? Do I pray towards that, grow towards that? Yes. Ben Pilgrim, not the lead story. You, not the lead story. Jesus is the lead story, and that's why all the other things I just named are, are, are there. We're going after that because that is the lead story in the universe. And if you want to get on board with what is woven into the fabric of the universe, then you need to get on board with that idea. And today, even if Jesus has never been in your story, today he can become the lead story and you will step into the life and future you were made for. Jesus is our lead story. Paul says it this way in verse 28. This is where I got that phrase from. He says, Jesus is the one we proclaim. He's the one we admonish. He's the one we're teaching you about with all wisdom that we have. Jesus is it. You need to know here at Epic Church, we're going to do a lot of things. Lots of things. Jesus is not one among many competing priorities here. Jesus is the priority. He is ultimate. He is center. He is number one. He is tops. He is, that's why our vision statement is what it is, right? The vision of Epic Church is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. Now, the second part of 28, he's like, we teach Jesus. Here's why. So that we will present everyone spiritually mature in Christ. Now, why do you think Paul, you, I've given you some context, so I've helped you out a little bit, even if you haven't watched the first message. Why do you think Paul emphasizes to present everyone mature in Christ? It's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> we don't have another service, so I'm just going to, that awkward moment where you just sit in the silence. You don't want me to make eye contact because you think I'll call on you. The reason Paul emphasizes everyone is because the Colossians were having some people teach that this is for a few. It's for a couple of spiritually elite people. It's, you gotta be Jewish and you gotta have this special mystery. And he's like, no, no, no. I, I'm trying to give you Jesus so that everyone would be become mature in Jesus. Now, let me give you a statement that I think first will baffle you and encourage you, but it will also challenge and convict you. You ready for that statement? Here it is. What is true about the most spiritually mature person in the epic church community can also be true of you. 
Let me take it a step further. Here's the convicting part. What is true about the most spiritually mature person in this epic church community is supposed to be eventually true of all of us. So now some responsibilities on you because it's easy to go, well, I just didn't get those special genes from God, right? And can we just be honest? There are people that we see in a church community, small group leaders, people doing what I'm doing right now, and we're like, man, they got the special secret stuff. We did not. What the most spiritually mature person has access to in our church, you have access to. And you need to know that Jesus is fully committed to your spiritual maturity. And we want to be fully committed to your spiritual maturity. Let me ask you this question. Is your ultimate aim your happiness or your spiritual growth? And I know we love having options, don't we? We hate having to make choices, right? I want, I want both. Um, there's a reason why I chose that qualifier um, ultimate. What is your ultimate aim, your happiness or your spiritual growth? Let me tell you why this matters. If happiness is your ultimate aim, you will not end up growing spiritually, and I don't think you will end up happy. I could show you, I mean, I wouldn't betray confidence, but I could show you so many people in our community, and you would think they have everything to be happy, and they're not. But I think if you pursue spiritual growth more than happiness, I think you will end up for sure being formed in the way of Jesus. And he promised that in the end, you would have a deep abiding joy that your happenstance will never give to you. Now, now just to be clear, like I understand the happiness temptation. I wake up with the happiness temptation. Anybody else? Right? I think about where can I go eat today to be happy? I just wake up with it, right? And, and what do you do with your happiness temptation? When you wake up, what's the first happiness temptation you experience? To go back to sleep, yeah? Second is like, has somebody else made the coffee? Right? And we spend our days thinking, really, like, what would make me happy? Would it be being known as something at the office? Would it be meeting a friend? Like, I understand the happiness temptation in two ways. I am tempted to choose happiness over my spiritual growth. And if I'm honest, as your pastor, I'm tempted to choose your happiness over your spiritual growth. Let me tell you why. If I pursue your happiness most then we can avoid some conflicts. If I pursue your happiness most, I don't have to pray as intensely for you. I just do what makes you happy. If I pursue your happiness most, I don't have to practice differentiation. Meaning, hey, I'm gonna stand here while staying close to you, but I'm not gonna let you tell me what, I just give into it. What do you want? What do you want for our church? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my time? Okay. But more than wanting my own happiness, I want to grow my faith deeper in Jesus. And more than wanting your happiness, I want to see your faith in Jesus grow deeper as well. That's what, that's what I'm after. And you need to know when it comes to your spiritual growth, um, if you're passive about it, you will not grow spiritually. But if you think it's entirely up to you, you will exhaust yourself and still not grow spiritually. So, so here's how I think about this. And we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. Actively pursue Jesus so that he can do the growth and transformation. So your part is what? There's a four-letter word, there's lots of four-letter words in the English and the Bible, but the one that you see over and over again is just this word, seek. Seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. One thing I ask of the Lord, that I may seek him in his temple. Seek, seek, seek. You do the seeking, God promises to be found. That's a promise he gave through the prophet Jeremiah. Seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
You seek. You create space in your life. You don't give your mind to the things that take you away from God's best for you, but bring you into God's best for you. And watch Jesus, by the power of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit, begin to transform your life. You'll see that growth happen. And that's what I want for you. I hope that's what you want for yourself. Now, verse 29, Paul says, Because I'm after your full maturity, I contend with all of the power that Christ so powerfully works in me, or the energy that Christ put powerfully works in me. Now, what, what's interesting about this is, Paul, you know, anybody ever surprised when something's hard work? I just laugh at myself. I'm like, I can't believe this is hard. Like, dude, what were you thinking? I don't know. It just seemed like being a dad was awesome, easy, right? Or anybody ever, anybody get home and you're like, you're surprised that work was hard that day? Um, they call it work for a reason, right? And what Paul says, he's like, if I'm going to see you grow in your faith in Jesus, I'm going to have to work for you and for my own spiritual maturity. So here's how I want to say it. Being fully committed to the mission of God for our community and beyond is hard work, but we are not doing this work alone. It's hard work. If we're going to do what it takes to see this community grow in our faith and beyond even these walls and in this community, it's going to be hard work, but we're not doing this work alone. John Tyson said it this way, God releases a supernatural energy when you contend for others' maturity. I want to hang on to this. Why would God release a supernatural energy when we contend for others' maturity? Let me tell you why. Because when you contend for the spiritual growth of other people, you are contending for the same thing God is contending for, right? And you don't have to wonder, I wonder if God will bless my contending for your growth. He will always bless. You're going to pour yourself out into your kids' spiritual growth and their growth in other ways. God will bless that because now you're contending for your child the same thing that God is contending for in your child. And God gets on board with that and unleashes something powerful. Paul said, when I go to bat for you spiritually, when I'm praying for you, when I'm preaching to you, when I'm giving you my wisdom, when I'm listening to you, you need to know this. The reason I'm doing this and can do this is because I'm giving it all I have, but all I have isn't all I have. All I have is the power of Christ that's working in me for your good. But let's take it off of other people just for a moment. When you plan for the future, when you plan for your future, does that include spiritual growth? I love living and operating out of a life plan. In fact, Tuesday, July 11th, that's my summer session. I'm going to, if you come out that night, I'm going to teach you how to create a life plan. There's over 40 of us signed up, and just we can fill this room because I think this is so critical, and I would love to help you. It's been life-changing for me, and what we do that night is really talk about how to gain a vision for our life, and then I'm going to walk you through areas of your life based on who you are, what God has for you. We'll look at those areas, and every single area, what we'll do is we'll set a vision for it, and then we'll be honest about what your current reality is. And then we'll spend the rest of the time talking about how you close the gap between where you are today in that area and where you want to be one day. So finances, relationships, family, hobbies, spiritual growth, work, all the things. Um, but even if you never have a life plan, that's okay. You don't have to have one. But if, if you don't have a life plan, no worries. Um, but when you think about your future, please prioritize your spiritual growth. Why? Because we always, like, we need a keystone habit that if we do that, it leads to so much other stuff, right? Right? This is um, Charles Duhigg in, in the Power of Habit book that is really helpful. Um, but let me tell you why spiritual growth is a keystone habit. Paul said it this way to Timothy. He's like, physical training is of some value. Anybody glad he said that? He's like, yeah, I'm just, nah, just going to sit it out. It's of some value. He said, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for everything. 
So if you grow spiritually, every other goal you have is more likely to get lived out, not less likely to get lived out. But if you don't make plans for your spiritual growth, what are you, what are you making plans for? Please care more about who you become than about what you do. Please. So based on the stage you are in for your spiritual journey, what's the likely step you need to take today? It could be that you need to actually place your faith in Jesus and move from being separated to reconciled. Maybe you need to take your faith public through baptism. Maybe it's something related to your prayer life or your character or to serving or to generosity or to leadership, or it could be a thousand other things. But I'm guessing if you're desiring to grow spiritually, you probably have an idea about some area or areas that you need to grow in. I know I do. I know I do. Paul ended this text by giving some of his pastoral heart to the Colossians. And I would love to end my message by giving some of my pastoral heart to you here at Epic Church. So here we go. We did not start this church because we couldn't find something easier to do. Understood? Um, We are not staying as a staff team in this church or in the city because we can't go get jobs elsewhere. Okay, I probably can't go get another job, but the rest of our team, I promise you, they could go. I tell them they could not get a job anywhere else, so they'll stay, um, but they probably could go work a lot of other places. Um, my wife, Shauna, and I, we are, we're not staying here because there aren't other opportunities. We are fully committed to being here, and this is true of our family and our staff team and our leaders here at Epic because we want to see the beautiful spiritual growth that's going to happen in your lives and through your lives. Even if you're not in San Francisco right now, we are here for it. The reason our team prays, the reason we're preaching, the reason we practice these worship songs, the reason kids are being poured into and students are being led by our adults right now is not because anybody down that hall is getting a dollar for what they're doing today. They just want to see these kids learn at a young age that Jesus is up to forming me for his purposes with my life. And I I can count on him, and I'm here for it. Are you? Or will your spiritual growth remain on the back burner as you pursue the thing that everyone else is pursuing, as you go after what you've been told will make you happy? My encouragement is that you would pursue Jesus, and you would do whatever it takes to do, whatever it takes to do, to contend for more of Jesus in your life and in the life of of others. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up. If you guys would take a posture of prayer, I want to, um, I know we've said a lot today, so feel free to go back and listen. But I want to give three broad categories as potential responses that I fully believe apply to nearly 100% of us in this room, self-included. The first category of people, and I know there's some of you in this room, and, and so I just pray that you'll be open to, to what God might want to do in your life here. For the first category of people, I just want to invite you to, um, to move from being separated from God to being reconciled to God. You've heard today that your effort's not going to do it for you, but Jesus has done everything you need so that Christ can be in you, the hope of glory. And today, you can put your faith in Jesus just to say, Jesus, I want you to be my lead story. Thank you for dying on the cross and, and resurrecting. Thank you for paying for my sin and declaring me righteous. I receive what you did for me. 
You can let us know that on the card. You can, we're going to have prayer leaders that are going to be up here at the communion stations. They can, you guys can go ahead and move to those spots if you want to. People are already ready to pray for you and with you. This altar is open as well. So that first category is just, I, I want Jesus to become the lead story of my life. I want to I be a Christian. He's ready, he's ready to make that your reality. Second category, probably the largest percentage. I'm thinking of these three, and here's, here's this category. You've realized today that, if you're honest, spiritual growth hasn't been a real high priority for you in this season. And uh, today, you want this fresh, new, renewed commitment to, to prioritize your spiritual growth. And you know there's certain things that have to go to grow spiritually. There's certain things that you have to step into to grow spiritually. And just today, you're just going to say, hey, I want to renew my commitment. Again, this altar is open. Our prayer leaders would love to pray for you. And the third category that I want to speak to today is um, you've actually been prioritizing your spiritual growth. um, But today, for you, it's time to start contending for the spiritual growth of others. And that might look like coming to this altar and just praying for our church community at large. It might look like praying for the men or women uh, in front of you or beside you or around you. It may be just praying for someone that you know in this room, but contending for the spiritual growth of others. So, and I think there's a response for all of us, faith in Jesus, him becoming your lead story, making a fresh commitment to your own spiritual growth or um, making a commitment to begin really contending for the spiritual growth of others in this community. Would you stand with me as I pray for us and then we'll respond. Again, our prayer leaders are at the communion stations, my right, my left, back in this aisle way. Uh, these guys are gonna lead us in a song, but what, what we wanna do is to help, ask Jesus to help us. So Jesus, would you, would you by your spirit speak into every person's heart and mind right now? Would you urge us individually into, hey, what's, what's the right response based on what my reality is and, and where you're calling me to go? God, I pray that you give people the courage and faith to, to put their trust in you. God, we don't want just a moment on a Sunday, but I pray that renewed commitments all over this room would be popping up everywhere. And many of us, maybe a large percentage of us are saying, hey, I, w- I want to prioritize my spiritual growth. And then, God, would you raise up more leaders who are willing to not just contend for their own growth, but contend for the growth of others? And as fathers and mothers, you may want to contend for your kids in a fresh way. You may want to contend for the small group that you lead. You may want to contend for a a particular group here at Epic Church, but would you just contend? God, would you come and have your way? Thank you that we have a contending God. Thank you that you're committed to our growth. And now you're asking us, you're inviting us, hey, come join me in this commitment. God, would you release that supernatural energy and power all throughout this room as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco. 